It's another John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Sunday, September 25th, 2022. Last night, Kentucky improved to 4-0 with a 31-23 win over the Northern Illinois Huskies at Kroger Field. Kentucky uh, had a pretty comfortable 31-14 lead, gave up a field goal and a touchdown late to make it a little uncomfortable, but ended up uh, with the 31-23 victory. Now the Cats head into a long string of SEC games starting Saturday uh, down at Ole Miss when they play the Lane Kiffin's Rebels uh, down at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. That's a noon kickoff on ESPN. Uh, to talk about Kentucky's win over Northern Illinois last night and to look ahead to the Ole Miss game, I talked with my friend and fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader in Kentucky.com, Mark Story. We'll get to that in a minute. First, I want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Second of all, I want to thank everybody who supports the podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It just helps more people find the podcast. And I want to we thank we really appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Arrow Leader in Kentucky.com. Go to Kentucky.com, hit on the subscription tab, check out all the subscriptions to Kentucky.com or the print edition of the Lexington Arrow Leader. Like I said, we really appreciate everybody who supports our work. And I also appreciate Mark's story for talking to me every Sunday after the Kentucky football game where we review the game and we talk about the opponent, the upcoming opponent. And on this particular podcast, we talked a lot about the upcoming opponent, the Ole Miss Rebels. So let's get right to it, my conversation with Mark's story. Okay, back with my colleague, uh, Mark, and friend, and fellow sports columnist, Mark Story. How's it going, Mark? Good, John. Uh, Kentucky last night, 31-23 win over Northern Illinois. Mark Stoops referred to it as kind of a sluggish win over the Huskies. What was your takeaway from uh, Kentucky going to 4-0 with that win last night? Well, I think it was a little sluggish. I thought that was kind of a trap game for Kentucky. You're, you know, you, It's kind of your second straight non-SEC game. I think NIU is pretty good. You know, they won the Mid-American Conference last year, won nine games, won a bowl. While their record's not especially good this year, they you know played Tulsa to the last minute at Tulsa. You know, they were up on Vanderbilt by 14 points in the second half and you know let it get away from them. And 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 I thought to their credit, I thought they had a really smart game plan on both sides of the ball. I thought they were very well prepared for that game and and, and I thought they played well. And you know, I don't think Kentucky was at its best, but I do think, you know, NIU's pretty good, and Kentucky did manage to win the game. And, you know, I'm not quite as down on UK as a, at least judging by my Twitter timeline and my Facebook page as some of the fans are. Yeah, yeah you mentioned about uh, Northern Illinois' game plan. Ate up a lot of clock in the first half. It was a kind of an unusual first half. I think only, I think, what, nine possessions between the two teams? That's correct. Uh, yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, on the other side of the ball, they blitzed a lot, put a lot of pressure on Will Levis, put a lot of stress on that offensive line. Levis got sacked five times, but it also opened up some big plays for Kentucky, uh, big explosive plays, especially on the – on the touchdowns, uh, the big talk, of course, going into the game was the offensive line, the lack of a running game through the first three games. Did you think the offensive line performed any better last night? Uh, no, I really didn't. I know the coaches said that they thought it did, and you know, I I didn't see it. Um, you know, it's they still are just 
having a very hard time in pass protection. And admittedly, you know, once you show weakness, everybody that plays them seems to break out every exotic blitz package, right. you know, known to, known to man. And, you know, I thought NIU was doing some pretty creative stuff. And heck, I thought Youngstown was doing sort of some NFL kind of stuff. Right. It, it, it's kind of, you know, once you've shown you're vulnerable, that's what you're going to get. And, you know, the, the running game, you know, I thought Smoke ran it fairly well, that fumble late in the first half aside, but they just, um, you know, they just can't seem to get it going consistently. Now, I will say this in defense of the offensive line, you know, in my notes, the first two sacks I wrote down, I thought were the quarterback's fault. I thought he held the ball too long. And the, there are some plays in the running game where I don't think the backs are going to the right hole. There was a play early in the second half where – Lavelle Wright ran it up the gut, and had he popped it off right tackle, he might still be running. I mean, there was a gigantic seam, and I guess he, you know, I don't know if the play was specifically, you know, you got to run it here, or he just didn't see it, but, you know, but this is a long way to say I didn't see any great improvement in the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned about Levis holding the ball too long. It's obvious to me, anyway, it looks like where last year in certain situations he would take off running, he's not doing that this year. I think they're str- trying to stress to him. I think Rich Gangarello to stay in the pocket. Uh, I think part of that is because they do not have a backup quarterback uh, that they can, you know, they have two inexperienced guys as a backup quarterback. If you lose Will Levis, that pretty much you, the fear is it would sink the season. But how much of these sacks would be non sacks last year where Levis would just take off running? Well, I think some, and you know, I wonder, you know, when they get in these SEC games where the margin of error is not as great, if they don't need to just tell him to play. Yeah. And you know, I don't know that you can be so afraid of an injury that you, you don't do everything you can to win the games. You know, I, and I somewhat understand why he holds the ball because his arm's so strong that there's always a chance. You know, he's going to throw a seventy-yard touchdown pass, but you know, he is taking some sacks and taking hits that I, I don't think. He has to take. Right. No, I agree. I agree. One thing I'm a little, I'm a little surprised by. Yeah, well, I am, but, but the way the circumstances turned out, I'm not. I mean, one of the things about with Rich Gangarello and uh, the offensive line coach Zach Enzer coming from the 49ers, uh, you know, I was told by more than one person, you know, the 49ers put in a lot of st- uh, quarterback runs last year because they had drafted Trey Lance as the rookie quarterback, and they decided to go with Garoppolo instead of um, transferring the year. So they didn't really use him, but they had a lot of stuff that they could do, and we're going to do this year, I guess, until Lance got hurt. And with Levis being showing last year that he could be effective runner, that they were going to use that stuff this year. But I guess when Bo Allen transferred – and that left them without without an experienced option at backup quarterback. I guess they decided not to incorporate that into the game plan, uh, and I can understand why. But I just thought I, I thought we'd see Levis run a little bit more. And I keep wondering if we are going to see that, you know, yeah. in some in you know some of these SEC games. Whereas I said, you know, the margin of error is not very right. great, so you, you kind of need to you know have you have all your out. weapons, yeah, have all your weapons available for use. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Defensively, real quick. Defensively, then we'll get on to the Ole Miss game because I think that people are uh, focused on that already. How do you think that Brad White didn't seem to be real pleased with the defense last night? He referred to him as leg as lazy, made too many mistakes. How do you think they played? 
And I thought it was pretty so-so. And admittedly, part of that is, you know, high standard that's been set. Right. You know, they, um, you know, I, I thought it was disappointing that after the fumble late in the, this, the first half that they couldn't keep NIU out of the end zone, that they couldn't force them to kick the field goal. And I thought it was disappointing that after Kentucky got up 31, I guess, 31-14, they, um, they, they, they seemed to let down and let NIU, you know, score you know, two scores to sort of quasi get back in the game. And I thought they did play well in the third quarter when Kentucky sort of took control. I, you know, it seems like often happens they had a bad first drive, and then I thought they got better, you know, as the game went along. And I thought they were good in the third quarter, but you know, again, the end of the first half and the fourth quarter, I thought were a little disappointing. Yeah, uh, but overall, Kentucky improved to four and zero going in. Now, Saturday starts a stretch of seven straight conference games when they go down to Oxford and play Ole Miss. And Mark and I will talk about that when we come right back. Okay, back here with Mark's story on the podcast. Kentucky, uh, Ole Miss, Saturday. It's a noon game on ESPN. The AP rankings came out just before we started the podcast. Kentucky is now up to number seven. Ole Miss is number 14. Obviously, this is a big game for Kentucky. Mark, you do the uh, look uh, early look at the next opponent, and then later in the week you do the matchups. Uh, what about this Ole Miss team? It's a little different Ole Miss team than what we've seen in the past from Lane Kiffin. Yeah, it's very atypical. I, mean, I associate Lane Kiffin with kind of a wide-open passing, and Ole Miss has just been mauling people on the ground. Um, you know, you've got two really good running backs, Quinshawn Judkins, who's a true freshman out of Alabama, who uh, ran for 144 yards or 140 yards yesterday against Tulsa. And then they have Zach Evans, who is every bit as good as Judkins, and uh, he's a transfer from TCU. And one thing to watch, uh, he didn't play in the second half yesterday, and Kiffin said after the game it was a, quote, injury thing, end quote. So that's that's a storyline to, to watch moving forward. The other way that Ole Miss is unusual is they're really good defensively. At least they had played really well going until Tulsa yesterday. You know, going into that game, Kentucky was 15th in the country in total defense, and Mississippi was 16. Yeah, they shut out Georgia Tech. I know Georgia Tech's not very good, but they still shut out Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech. Back to the offense, their quarterback, Jackson Dart, the transfer from USC, I think he rushed for over 100 yards as well, didn't he, yesterday? He um, is a he threw for 154 and two touchdowns with no picks, and he did, in fact, run for 116 yards, yes. Yeah, and so... I, to me, I mean, easier said than done here. You've got to try to make them pass. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a, a – and I saw where Kiffin said before after the Georgia Tech game that people think, oh, you know, we can't run the ball on the offense, but we can is the ball. This offense is made so that we can run the ball, and they've certainly – I know they had over 300 yards against Georgia Tech as well. Uh, so, I mean, I know Mark Stoops, we will hear tomorrow – on his with the usual Monday press conference, you know, it's one game at a time. But obviously, this is a big game for Kentucky uh, uh, playing another ranked team on the road. Uh, what I mean, I think we're going to learn a lot about this Kentucky team on Saturday. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a huge game. If you if you can win it, you've you've got two SEC road wins. But to me, the goal of this Kentucky season is to get to the Georgia game with something at stake, meaning you're playing for the SEC East. I think, you know, I think you have to assume Georgia will be undefeated. You know, maybe they won't, but I think that's probably the way to bet. 
And that means if you're Kentucky, you can't lose more than one game. If you get to that game with one conference loss, then you would have the tiebreaker if you somehow were to beat Georgia. So to me, that means you've got to win at Ole Miss or at Tennessee. Right. So, I mean, it, it, it's a huge game. I mean, there's there's no way around that. One big boost for Kentucky is they get Chris Rodriguez back for this game. After the four-game suspension, this will be his first game back. Obviously, Chris rushed for almost 1,400 yards last year. He was preseason All-SEC. This year, you wrote about this. Uh, I know John Hale wrote some about this last week. You wrote about this off the game. How much of a difference can can Chris Rodriguez make? Can he be the answer to the running game, Mills, or is there is there more to it than that? I think there will, we'll see that there's more to it than that, but it certainly helps. I mean, you know, this is a guy that, you know, I go back to the, the game-winning touchdown in the uh, Citrus Bowl last year. There was either a missed block or a misread because they handed it to Chris to run around left tackle, and the Iowa right defensive end was completely unblocked and hit him at the 10-yard line, and Chris just ran through it and scored a touchdown. That's the kind of thing he can do. Now, even a physically punishing running back, which he is, you know, you need some holes. And, you know, it'll also be interesting to see, you know, I thought last year when they sort of gave up on the outside zone was one of the reasons was was that C-Rod's just better in the inside zone. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I I noticed last, you know, that some of the, the coaches this year have said he's in practice has been the best back they have at the outside zone too. So it'll be interesting to see. In terms of those stretch plays, if you know he can plant his foot and go, because I think of him more as a straight-ahead back. But you know, yes, I think getting him back is a big is a big boost. <laughs> How rusty do you expect him to be? Well, that's a great question. I think I think you have to expect a little bit of rust, but you know, that's one thing about having him come back in such a big game. You know, obviously, you know, a suspension. You know, there's no way to control that, but it would have been nice if he. Right. You know, from just from a foot, like last right night. from a football perspective, he could have played last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm interested tomorrow when we talk to Mark, asking him about what his plan was going in. I mean, they knew he was going to be suspended for at least if you know for a few games. Even if they say, well, we didn't know exactly how long the suspension was going to be because they had to wait for the NCAA and internal investigation and that sort of thing. But in the in the open practices that we got to see, and the last one I didn't did was a, I think the first part of the practice where you probably couldn't tell a whole lot. But I, from the fan day practice and other things, I mean, he was getting reps. He was in there, you know, with the with the backs. And I know they said yesterday, especially I think Rich Gangarello said yesterday that he had been spending time on the scout team as a scout team uh, running back as well. But it wasn't like they just sat him on the sidelines and say you can't participate. No, I remember at that first that fan day practice, he made an incredible catch. He did. That's right. I, for, I forgot and, about that one handed catch. Yeah. 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 Just a great play. And I, you know, I was curious how they'd been using him in practice, especially once it you know was official that he was going to be back for the fifth game. Mm-hmm. If they'd been getting him reps with the ones, and both you know Scangarello and Levis said not the ones, but with the twos. So, yeah. and, you know, and, you know, at least they indicated that, you know, he, he has been, you know, involved in the game planning and all that. So, you know, mentally he's, you know, in, in theory, you know, up to speed on what they're doing and that kind of thing. But I, I mean, I think there has to be a little bit of rust. I mean, it's just hard, you know, he hasn't played in a game since January 1st. Right. Right. Uh, what about uh, Kentucky's receivers? Both the hundred yard games last night in Tavion Robinson and Barryon Brown. You got the experienced guy and Tavion Robinson. 
uh, and the young freshman burner and Barry on Brown, a lot of yards after catch last night. Uh, to me, both those guys have looked really good, as has obviously Dane Key and through the first four games. But only one of those games was against uh, an SEC opponent. And I remember back, to, I believe it was last year, when Mark said, you know, when you get out of non-conference play and you get into conference play, you know, that separation, your receivers don't get that same kind of separation. Uh, you know, there's not that much room for air, uh, margin for error when they're going up against SEC defensive backs. How do you think the passing game will fare? And you mentioned Ole Miss seems to be better on defense. Uh, how do you, when the challenge of facing these SEC defenses week after week, how do you think the young receivers will fare? I think that's a, a, a great question. I think especially <laughs> in the case of, you know, Barry on Brown, he's just so fast. Right. You know, he, he's, he's going to be fast against everybody, but, you know, in the SEC, you know, he's going to be up against SEC speed and, and it's not going to be as easy just to run by people, which I think we put more premium on, you know, routes and following blockers on those, you know, outside screens and stuff. Right. You know, you know, I, you know Robinson, I think, will be fine because, you know, he's played high level, you know, the ACC is not the SEC, but it's still, you know, it's power five football. Right. So, you know, I expect him to be fine. You know, the freshmen, I think, will be good because I think they're good, but, you know, they're going to have to show it. It's going to be, it's certainly going to be more difficult against uh, these next seven SEC foes than it's been, you know, against even really good MAC teams, which right. is, you know, the one thing about Kentucky's schedule, it has been better this year than it was last year because, you know, Miami is the pick to win the MAC East and beat Northwestern yesterday. You know, yeah. you substituted them for ULM, which had not won a game the year before. And then you've substituted Northern Illinois, which, as I said earlier, is the defending MAC champion and the preseason favorite this year. You substituted them for New Mexico State. So right. it is, a, it has, Kentucky has played better teams. Right. And one thing about Ole Miss, they haven't played anybody. Right. Uh, Troy, Central Art, no offense to John Summerall. And Troy had a big win yesterday. Yeah, they, they've done a good job. Yeah, Troy, Central Arkansas. Uh, Georgia Tech, Georgia and Tech Tulsa. is terrible, and then uh, then Tulsa. Yeah, they haven't <laughs> they haven't gone up a great against great competition. You know, back to Barry on Brown. I thought you know obviously the seventy yard touchdown was great. I mean, it would just turn on the Jets. But I thought the, the mo- more impressive play was the way he weaved through traffic on that wide receiver screen for the fifteen yard touchdown or whatever whatever it was down along the goal line. I thought that was a really nice crafty run by him where he had to navigate traffic. And to me, I'm not sure every true freshman can do that. Well I think what was encouraging about that is when I think they plan to run a lot of those with him. And if uh-huh. he can, you know, hit those seams, I mean that's what you have to do. And yeah. and that was an indication you're right. He sort of, you know, let that play come to him and then boom. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so what do you think are the keys for Kentucky on Saturday? I know we got a whole week to go. Uh, now, did Ty Asian, was he hurt yesterday? There was some talk that he was seen on he the was, sidelines with a cast on, and I know Zion Childress logged a lot of time back there, but, but Mark wasn't asked about it after the game. Did they say anything about it on the radio? I know you monitor the radio during the game. No, not that I recall, but I didn't listen to as much as the pregame as I often do. There was scuttlebutt on the message boards late last week that he'd gotten hurt in practice. Oh, okay. I wondered if that was partially why Stoops seemed to be in such a foul mood at that Thursday news conference. <laughs> he was, as somebody who was there, yes, he was. It was two, less, than two, less than three minutes, two minutes and 50 seconds. 
<laughs> yeah, I, um, I watched it on YouTube, and uh, it was—it didn't take a lot of my time. Let's that one. <laughs> no, it did not. No, it did not. And poor Jeff Drummond. Jeff Drummond a couple times tried to get him to be a little more expansive on his answers, and that—that that went nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah, with Mark. Yeah. So, and afterwards, when we were talking there later, you were thinking something must have happened. He must have gotten bad news about something before, because Mark can get a little tight on Thursdays. It seems like when the season as the season goes along. He gets a little shorter and shorter, but um, he's usually not like he was with us on Thursday. So, yes, yeah, something must have happened for the for him to be in that foul of mood, and maybe it was with Asian. He he did play a little bit, but he Childress played a played a lot. Yeah, yeah, and played pretty well from the way they talked or the way the coaches talked afterwards. So, what do you, what do you think are the keys for Kentucky on Saturday for Ole Miss? Um, and I ask you that here on Sunday when we got a whole week of practice and who knows what's going to happen between now and then. But thinking about it today, what do you think? I think you have to contain the run and try to make Ole Miss beat you through the air, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Um, I think, Kentucky, you need to limit negative plays yeah. and you know, try not to you know take a bunch of sacks. It'd be good if you can make some big plays in the passing game without having all the negative plays. And I think if, if C-Rod – the combination of having him back, if that can give you a little bit of a running game, that would be all for the better. Yeah. I think I want you know, I think the defense needs to start creating some turnovers. Uh, they didn't get a turnover last night. I think that would be helpful. And may be hard against Ole Miss considering they've gotten so run-heavy run here lately. But, uh, I mean, obviously I think that would help help as well. Uh, but uh, it, it should be a should be a really good game on Saturday. Kentucky hasn't been to, down to Oxford since 2010. I believe they've lost five in a row at That's Ole Miss. Correct. Haven't won yeah. since 1978. Way back yep. uh, when uh, Fran Kersey versus Steve Sloan, I believe that is correct. Where were you in 1978, Mark? Story. I was in. Uh, it would have been the fall of 78. I was in ninth grade. I was fresh. Oh Lord, you're, you're you're such a young guy. That was seventy. Fall of seventy eight was my sophomore year at UK. I don't really remember that game though. I don't remember much about that game. <laughs> I actually do. Well, you I do? remember okay. listening to it on the radio, and then it was like on. I think it was on tape delay because remember they'd gone ten and one the year before, right? So they were traveling. You know, they were showing all the games on tape delay because of the interest and. Um, Kentucky had lost a couple, and that, that that was kind of a at the time it was seen as a game that might turn the, the year around. Who who was Kentucky's quarterback then? Do you remember? Mm, was it Larry McCrimmon? That would be my guess. I'd have to go back and look it up, but that would be my guess. See who the quarterback was. But uh, anyway, this year though we'll have. Different quarterbacks: Will Levis for Kentucky, Jackson's art the USC transfer from Ole Miss, uh, from uh, USC. I think it's also an interesting coaching matchup with Mark Stoops, obviously a defensive oriented coach, and Lane Kiffin, who's more offensive minded at Ole Miss. The last, the, well, the only other time that they've hooked up was a couple of years ago during the pandemic, and Ole Miss won that forty two forty one game in Lexington. Uh, which was a heartbreaker for Kentucky early of the year. I, I'm not expecting a 42-41 game Saturday, but who knows? Yeah, but, you know, they sort of owe Lane a little bit. He's beaten, he's 2-0 and against Kentucky, and both of them were in overtime. He was also the, the Tennessee coach oh, yeah. in that 2009 game that I think the fans remember that Kentucky didn't have the ball in Randall Cobb's hands. Oh, yeah. Uh, down at, in in the red zone at the end of the game with a chance to win it in regulation. Oh yeah. I just remember in the old stadium before they renovated, I used to walk out 
to go to the press conference with the fans. I've never been around an angrier crowd than that night. People were just furious. Yeah, well, they had reason to be <laughs> when you don't get the ball in the hands of your best player and you end up losing the game, uh, especially losing the game to Tennessee. So, right. uh, so yeah, it'll be an, it'll be a very interesting matchup, uh, a big week for Kentucky football. We'll have plenty of coverage, obviously, all week long leading up to the game starting tomorrow with Mark Stoops' uh, weekly Monday press conference. Mark later in the week, Mark will have his columns during the week, and later in the week we'll have his matchups and his game prediction. Uh, follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Anything else you want to plug or anything before I let you go, Mark? Yeah, I think we're good, John. Okay, well, I appreciate it, and I will see you tomorrow. Thanks, as always, for being on the podcast. Thank you, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the podcast. My thanks, as always, to Mark Story. Be sure and check him out on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. Like I said, follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Uh, we'll have plenty of coverage, as I mentioned, during the week. Uh, John Hale, our UK football beat writer, will be all over it. Follow him on Twitter at John Hale underscore HL. As I mentioned earlier, my Twitter account is at John Clay IV. Thanks again to Mark. Thanks again to everybody for listening. And we'll be talking to you soon on the John Clay Podcast.